Hey there. If you like this podcast, you are going to love my new book, Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Reclaim Your Sovereignty. In Needy, I share my unique approach to identifying, honoring, and advocating for the most tender and true parts of yourself that are yearning to be acknowledged. It is an invitation to embody self-acceptance, which leads to meaningful growth in self-responsibility, self-care, self-trust, and self-love. All of the themes that we talk about all of the time on this podcast. Woven with threads of timeless wisdom, honest assessments of our needs, and heartfelt personal stories of transformation from yours truly and others, Needy illustrates a profound vision for what is possible when you listen to the stirrings of your heart and reclaim your undisputed sovereignty in your life. Now, you can get Needy wherever books are sold, but if you are a podcast super fan, you might appreciate the audiobook, which I do narrate, which you can find on Audible. Now on to today's show. Hey there, it's your host, Mara Glatzel, and you are listening to The Needy Podcast. Here at Needy, we are devoted to sharing frank conversations and true stories about what it means to meet your needs consistently, messily, and sustainably. To get more information about today's episode, please visit theneedypodcast.com. Now, on to today's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Needy. I am your host, Mara Glatzel, and I am so thrilled to be joined today by Anne Nguyen. Born and raised in California as a first-generation Vietnamese-American woman, Anne has lived her whole life following two main things, her curiosity and her urge to question everything with a, but why? These curiosities and questions have led her down a dynamic path from graduating with a BS in neuroscience at the University of California, Santa Barbara, to working in various jobs in the tech industry at Google, Facebook, and YouTube. Most recently, she's trained at the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality and is a women's sexual empowerment coach. Her work is in service to changing the way women relate to their pleasure and rewriting the narrative of sexuality in our modern times and creating safer spaces for women of color to pursue their healing and thriving. Through her coaching and online programs, she reconnects women to the power of their sexuality and facilitates deep transformation for sexual reclamation. Welcome, Anne. I'm so, so, so excited to have you here today. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I am thrilled to get to dive in with you. But before we do, would you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Yeah. So I am a women's sexual empowerment coach. And that means that I really work with women on reclaiming their sexuality, their sensual nature, their relationship to their bodies. And I also love talking about orgasm. (laughs) And the reason that I do it is like most people who come into their work, it was a really big challenging place for me. And after going through my own really expansive sexual liberation, I realized just how tied it is to every single part of our lives and also 
how it is like this electric juice and treasure <laughs> that is within us all that is so little known about that after seeing the impact in my own life and in many other people's lives, it was something that I couldn't not do. <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it, it radiates off of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Which I'm sure people tell you that, but you know, I remember when I happened upon your work, I was just like, yes. I mean, and you know, in, in some ways specifically, it's like that, that like authenticity and integrity you can tell in doing work in this space. I think when people are really showing up for themselves too, which isn't, you know, doing the, like taking their own medicine. And I find your everything. I will share all of the links to all of the places to find you in the show notes because yeah, I want everyone to follow you as well. Thank you. And yeah, such an important part of this work and of being an integrous leader is always, I think, being real and practicing day to day, just like you. (laughs) Yeah. So what does it look like day to day for you to meet your needs? How do you, how are you taking care of yourself? Yeah. So I would say on great days or on good days, I, you know, I teach a lot about pleasure as one of the ruling forces in our lives. And I think a lot of people don't associate needs with pleasure, but I think really at the core of it, right? Having your needs is because of things that make you feel good, which is pleasure, which is that vibrancy and that vitality for life that I often talk about. So one of the things that I teach is my 5% pleasure rule, which is in every moment, how can I make this 5% more pleasurable? So oftentimes when I am trying to meet my needs, I ask myself, what would feel most pleasurable to me right now? And I think that pleasure has this very sexual charge around it. And one thing that I love to do is undo that charge and remind people that pleasure can be relaxation. It can be softness. It can be nourishing your body with food. It can be rest or, you know, it can be sensual or joyous in nature. And so that is really often one of my first questions when I'm trying to assess my needs. And then when I'm in a not so great place and feeling really under-resourced, I just ask myself, did you drink water? Did you eat food? Did you go outside? Really tending back to those basic body needs, which I think is the foundation of it all, really. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that 5% pleasure rule. Thank you for sharing that with us. I will be taking that out of this conversation for sure. How has this shifted for you over the course of your life? Like, what did your your journey to living your life from this pleasure-fueled place, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that like a lot of people likely listening, there was a time in my life, and it was actually very crippling, where I was so afraid of having needs and having that feeling of being needy or that I was too much and all of that. And so it really started with claiming that needs are okay (laughs) and that needs are normal and they're natural and they're human. And 
So I think that that was always step one. And I did that with the help of a professional. If I'm really honest, I worked with Rachel Maddox. She was my first coach and she was a guest on your podcast. And so it was related a lot to kind of healing more deeply. And after really sensing that I could have my own needs, it started to expand. And I think one of the biggest parts of unshaming needs and relating them to pleasure was reclaiming desire and really realizing that needs, desire, I I just feel like they're all connected. And it was really a lot of Regina Thomas Hauer, Mama Gina's work that really helped me with connecting to desire as a driving force of sort of our eros, our life, our passion that moves us forward. And that desire often leads us to pleasure. And so I started really practicing that in little ways, in really doable ways, like, oh, can I let myself wear something that is colorful that I would judge myself for before? And allowing that feeling good to to flow through my body. And then it just built and built over time. Of course, until I reached the sexual realm, I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Let's do this sex thing. <laughs> and so it's been a it's been a gradual journey, I would say. And I think that's super important to name with any sort of transformation and especially relationships to your needs and especially in intimacy and sexuality. Yeah. Well, and I love that you named too that you worked with somebody to help you because you know, and I mean, Rachel's like, obviously amazing. So, you know, so many of us are fenced in with what we're struggling with and, and, and also believing that we should have it figured out that it's somehow easy. Everybody else is doing it literally and figuratively. And that it's such a, it's like such a tender space to allow somebody to support us. Yeah. A thousand percent. That's part of it. I mean, I guess that's sort of the double bind with your needs, right? (laughs) Is that it is a thing that connects you to other humans. It's what connects you to the world. It's what connects you to life. And so it makes so much sense that we can't do it in a vacuum. And actually, this comes from Rachel. I don't know if she got it from someone else, but she always says, and I say this to my clients all the time, shame happens in isolation just like you said, right? When you think you're the only one, you're the only person with that problem. And I see this all of the time with women and their sexuality. Everyone thinks that it is a a unique and singular problem. And so therefore that isolation of I'm weird, there's something wrong with me, instead of that bigger picture context of we live in an entire world that tells us to betray our needs, to betray our sexuality, to turn around against it, right? So yeah, it's it's so, so crucial, whether it's with a coach or with community, even with friends, you know, in the relational space is where this gets shifted and healed. Mm, yes. Thank you. I was struck a couple of days ago. Well, I don't even know when you had posted it now, but you had posted a testimonial from a client who had shared about how they like redid, they had like a Mother's Day reboot where they hadn't gotten what they wanted for Mother's Day. And so, you know, they took it upon themselves to, to recreate it. And at the end, you said, you t- said a piece about taking responsibility for your own pleasure. And 
it resonated with me as a mother, it resonated with me as a person. But that piece too about so often the people who I'm in communication with and this community getting questions from, they're like, my, my life is so full. I'm so busy. You know, my to-do list is so long. I have all of these things going on, especially now, you know, during this pandemic, you know, there's, there's like, it's not even like my, my pleasure is at the bottom of my to-do list. My pleasure is literally not on my to-do list. And so I'm wondering if you could, if you could talk to us a little bit about that, about what, what it means to even just mentally make that shift to taking responsibility for your own pleasure, instead of seeing it as something that somebody else holds the key to, or, well, when my body looks like this, or when my life looks like this, or when my calendar is like somehow magically empty of commitments, then, you know, I can get to it then. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think all of these dynamics, there's a few here that I hear you talking about. It's, you know, either putting it last or not even thinking about it at all, or feeling like it's someone else's responsibility to give it to us really speaks to how we're raised in this culture, right? That is very heteronormative, that is very, you know, work, 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 go, go, go based. And so I think one of the, the one I'll speak to first is how do I put pleasure on my to-do list? How do I see the value of it? And I think this is why I'm so passionate about having people claim their own sexuality and own sensual power as theirs as an internal power source. So if you think about it, sexual, sensual energy is the energy that creates life. It literally births life over and over again. Not only that, but you know, any beautiful piece of art, any beautiful creation, anything with passion in it, anything that is sort of what we hunger and what we crave for to experience in our lives has within it infused this essentially core sensual, sexual pleasure energy or eros, people call it as well, the erotic. And so it's going from this mindset of I have to work in order to deserve my pleasure to my pleasure is a sacred internal power source within me that can fuel me to do all of those things on my to-do list with so much more grace, with so much more energy, and that then I can give to my life from my own internal overflow. And that second piece of taking responsibility for it yourself, I think really comes from also deconditioning the sexual, the erotic, the pleasure, especially as um, like in this heteronormative world, it's usually like, especially for women or those of us who have been socialized as women growing up, it's, this is an energy that is only really here to serve other people, to only give to other people at the will of other people. And so it's destroying that and saying, actually, no, there, this is me and this is mine. I get to cultivate it. I get to feel it. I get to transmute it into my creative energy, into spiritual energy, into love energy. And that is why taking responsibility for it is so important because it, it, it is your own power source. And so what happens when you view it like that and then you come into meeting someone else 
it's a completely different ball game, right? So yeah, I think that those are two of the primary shifts that need to happen. Uh, a re-relationship to what our sexual energy really is and a relationship to how it serves the world and ourselves, which really should be ourselves first and foremost. Yeah. Well, and something else that I know that you talk about that I love is about investing in that and investing in that pleasure and in your sexuality and your relationship with yourself. And I I can see in my own life, the shift, when, when this was a part of my life, when this became a part of my life that I really valued, I no longer saw it as ridiculous or frivolous to invest in the things that give me pleasure or the things that light me up or turn me on in that way. It's like essential. But I know from, you know, just from my own personal experience, being on that other side of it, thinking like, oh, I may have an idea of something I want to invest in, or even if I'm just investing my own time, my own energy, my own attention. But yeah, that shift, that's such a powerful shift to really understanding why, how it serves you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you talked about investing in so many ways, your energy, your time, your learning, your curiosity. There's so many ways that you can invest in it. And that's also why I love that 5% pleasure rule, because I feel like it's so accessible. And I do really believe in you know gradually, gradually increasing your pleasure capacity. So all of us have sort of a a level of sensation of pleasure of goodness that feels sort of like the upper limit, right? And, you know, we can gradually be increasing that and it can be through little things. And it's incredible how these little things deeply, deeply nourish us. Like I always say, lighting a candle, even if you're taking a 10 minute shower, or even if you're eating a takeout meal, that, that little moment of romance, that little moment of devotion to yourself makes such a profound difference. I can't stress it enough. You know, it doesn't have to be huge, even 10 minutes a day, even just asking yourself that little 5% of, you know, what could make this moment a little bit more pleasurable? Can I pick a flower from outside and put it on my desk to be in the presence of this Eros, this beauty makes such a big difference? Yes. Yes. So I know you love to talk about orgasms and I love to talk about orgasms too. And I'm wondering about, you know, specifically thinking about how during this time where there's so much going on in the world and our relationships with other people, you know, it's like, we maybe were like six months in to not leaving the house and, you know, we have kids and our partner. I mean, that's me, but you know, there's, there's so much going on. I think the pandemic is impacting us in so many different ways. And it may feel like if my only connection to orgasms, for example, are with another person, that this is a really gorgeous time actually to cultivate a self-pleasure relationship with yourself that rejuvenates you, restores you, tends to your own resiliency during this time in history where we like really need that. And reclaiming that piece of, you know, not waiting for somebody else to be in the mood, especially when it's such a moving target right now. We're all grappling with stuff we've never grappled with before and it may be impacting our relationships in that way. Yeah. Totally. I've seen this a ton and I've honestly, it's been happening in my own life as well. So yeah, I love that you're speaking to that and having that practice and go you also. <laughs> Tell us. 
for those for those of us who are not here and who are thinking like, I don't know, we're in a pandemic. Like there's so much going on. I'm homeschooling my kids. I'm like this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, I mean, I don't even know, like how do you ease your way into it if it feels so foreign? Yeah, yeah. So I would say that the your mindset about it first and foremost is always everything, right? And so especially around self-pleasure, there's so much conditioning and so many stories of what it is, right? It's frivolous or maybe it's a sad thing you do when you're lonely or um, most of us actually who you know learned how to self-pleasure when we were younger have actually really wired self-pleasure with secrecy with quickness with with you know sort of this rush sort of way that isn't satisfying it isn't saturating and it's not the full scope of what self pleasure can be and so the way that i would love to reframe it is to see it as an act of really deep self care and an act of really deep self love and even sacred self pleasure so it's actually you know self pleasure doesn't necessarily even have to be touching your genitals or having an orgasm, right? It can be slowing down to really infuse your own hands with love and to just slowly touch your own skin and just be in the presence of, wow, like my own skin feels really good. Wow, my miraculous body that has all these neurons that can sense, you know, touch and that can sense goodness. I've just found that it has the most profound effects on people ever, even just to to touch their body slowly in that way. That was actually the first self-pleasure practice that I gave myself on my journey. All I had to do was wake up in the morning, listen to one song and light one candle and put lotion on my body slowly. And that was my self-pleasure practice. And so I would recommend people who are, you know, beginners to do this. And I mean, the benefits are so many. Many of us have never connected with our bodies. I remember crying most of the time when I first started doing this practice because I realized, you know, at that point I was 27 maybe, and I had never touched my own body with love. I had never stop to be present with my own body. I didn't even know that was a thing that I could do. And it was really, really profound. And in terms of the science and the research, I mean, the there hasn't been that much extensive good research on women's orgasm for, you know, obvious reasons of the patriarchy. But by and large, the research only says you have as many as possible. They make you feel incredible. They are incredible for your internal neurochemistry. Dopamine, which helps you with risk taking, which helps you with, you know, joy, which helps you with, you know, full expression of yourself, all of those things. I don't think we realize how deeply connected it is to our pleasure. And then of course, you know, having the orgasm is just sort of increased (laughs) amplification of that beautiful, natural cocktail of goodness that you have the power to create inside of your own self. And so I would say, you know, approach it as, ooh, can I explore this new internal power source within me that can really help me to 
move through these difficult times. I can help with my resiliency that can give me hope for the world. I mean, I think that we are the microcosm of the macrocosm, right? As people often say. So I literally, you know, having, being able to give myself orgasms that feel absolutely mind-blowing and like total surrender and just love spreading through my whole body, it gives me hope for the world. It makes me realize like, wow, I was really created just like every single one of us as a miracle. Like it's miraculous that we're given this gift that we're able to feel this. Why not use it as a way to remind ourselves of that every single day? Or, mm. you know, as much as possible. <laughs> I mm. don't know every single day. <laughs> mm. I love that. And I was so struck as you were talking about how deep that conditioning is that self-pleasure in a relationship is somehow taboo. And, you know, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's like if you have a partner, you definitely like that means there's something wrong with the relationship. If you don't have a partner, it's like this sad thing that you do as like some paltry replacement for a relationship. Like that there is such deep conditioning around self-pleasure that that relegates it to this it's like so unfortunate. And you as you were talking, I was reflecting about how even having done a lot of thinking in this area myself, I can still see a lot of that that still exists in my own beliefs and my own stories and how it's such a disservice to, you know, as you beautifully describe this like internal power source that we have available to us. Yeah. And it, it's been condemned and taken away from us for real reasons, right? Imagine every woman on earth <laughs> really supercharged with this energy and with this power, you know, what would that do to the structures that have been existing and ruling our world? It would be quite a, a threat, a perceived threat, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. So something else I was wondering about as you were talking is if you could speak to people who are worried about what other people are going to think about them. Yeah. Or, you know, really stuck in these, you know, it's like, I, I might, I might want to try this or I might want to wear this, or I might want to, you know, even within our relationships, like I might want to try this thing, but we've been together for 20 years. And what are you going to think about me? If I share that with you mm. feeling penned into who we've been because other people might have a reaction to it. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that there is this quality, I think, of really internal deep radiance, which I think is what what is a result of having a very healthy and integrated relationship to your own sensual nature. That fear is so real. And I think being able to hold yourself and, and knowing, you know, I'm not here to be like, no one's ever going to judge you or anything like that, of course, all the time, but they're kind of judging you already. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's also what I found over and over again is that it's magnetic, it's loving, and it actually just makes people be like, it's, it's that quality of like, what is it that she's having? So, I started doing this work when I was working in the corporate world and I wrote a post about it actually because of the course that I was in, my coaching training, the only time that I had to do my practices was before work. And so I was regularly 
self-pleasuring and doing all of these sexual energy practices before work. And it was incredible the amount of women in my office who would just come up to me and just start talking to me. Like it, it was just like almost like this impulse, this magnetism, like I could feel them. And because it was just coming from such a place of love inside of me. It actually created more connection in my life. And I feel like that there's this underlying energy of someone who's very comfortable inside of themselves that actually is so liberating and gives permission to other people. And I think we can often forget what are the positive benefits that can happen, right? And I think that this is also why it is so important to heal in community. What you what becomes normalized is normalized, right? And so if you're around other people, other women who are in touch with this part of themselves and not shaming it, that sort of builds that foundation of safety around, okay, maybe other people in my life will be triggered or whatnot, but I have this feeling of safety around me that there are people that will accept me. There are people that will love me. And so I'm kind of going all over, but I think being able to practice in safe space, even in your own bedroom, even, you know, with your closest friends who you know will accept you, starting to share that little by little in safe ways, the way that we heal shame is to do something that previously we would get a response to that was negative and doing something and getting a new response, a new response of safety, a new response of love, a new response of celebration. And so you can give yourself that new response, right? So you can touch your own body and be like, yeah, celebrate yourself. Or you can be in community, you know, through the various courses that I offer and many people on the internet offer. And that can really help as well. And then I think you asked about sharing this intimate sort of these desires with your partner. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always tell people when they are communicating to their partners is to state your why. So many of us feel like with our needs, it's like, oh, I'm really scared to say I need a lot more foreplay. Because I feel like that's just it, right? You're just going to be like, I, I need more foreplay. And then you're sitting there on this like edge that's like so terrifying. You're like, what are they going to say? But when you add this magical why, it brings that bridge of connection. I desire more foreplay because I really want to get to my full turn on because I really want to connect with you intimately because I really want us to be in a relationship that is exploratory and progressive or uh, that moves us forward and where we can deepen and you know discover ourselves together. That sort of magical why really helps bringing your partner on board, really unifying you towards a common desire that can be really beautiful and can be inspiring. Mm, yeah. Ah, that's really powerful. And I think, you know, it goes, stands for any, any kind of need that you have in that relationship, sexual or otherwise that, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine earlier today, we were talking about, you know, how to ask for what you need in communication, like for, you know, outside of, but for when you're having like an active argument and the same too, it's like, 
being able to flesh that out to why it is that you need what you need. And yeah, it's like, it's just such a powerful expansion and way to connect. And I mean, blatantly way easier to get what you need usually if the other person understands where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say that self-pleasure piece and that relationship to your own pleasure also helps. So the th- the parts of asking for your needs are, you know, being able to assess your own needs. What is it that I actually need? Definitely the realm of exploring yourself and self-pleasure, but then also being in the vulnerability of the ask, right? Is like the second phase, like making the ask and then being in the vulnerability of the ask. And I find that when we have a solid connection to our own sensual nature, our own orgasm, our own bodies, where it's like, okay, I definitely know that this exists for me, helps with being in that vulnerability and in that compassion and in that negotiation of whatever kind might need to happen to then move to the next step, which is having your need met. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm curious about how your journey, how your pleasure practices inter inter or are interwoven with building self-trust because something that struck me before when you were talking about how you know you were doing this work but you were already at your corporate job I don't know if you knew at that point where you ultimately wanted this to take you into creating your own business and you know doing this as your full-time gig like how how did you negotiate with building your your own self-trust during that time as things were starting to shift for you So I think that there's a couple of aspects. The first was an incredibly deep intimacy with myself. And so I think part of sacred self-pleasure and, you know, really integrated self-pleasure is also being really in touch with your own body's needs, like literally having a conversation with your own body and learning the ways that we sort of, even with our own self-pleasure and with our own self-touch can often like override ourselves. And so there's actually a practice that I do of, you know, holding my hands over my body and feeling for my own bodies, yes or no, you know, before I touch my own pussy, um, sensing, is she a yes or a no? Does she want to be touched? Does she not? Right. And I think this really intimate listening to myself and all of that, it made my own body, it made my own system on this physiological pleasure, really deeper level, trust myself that I would listen and take care of myself. The second piece was that electric magnetism, you know, like radiating aliveness. So anything in life that you have a lot of energy behind, it moves forward more. And I was putting immense energy behind myself and my pleasure and my goodness. And so I had actually taken a coaching training five years prior and didn't launch my business because I was really crippled with self-doubt, not feeling like I was creative, all of those things. And I think that's one of the biggest pains that we can have. I talked about this in my recent class. I forget the original person who said this quote, but you know, like this feeling of like dying with your music still inside of you. I think it's one of the biggest pains that we all collectively feel. And it was like connecting to my sensuality 
turned up my own internal music where I could hear it. And, and it just, it just naturally melted away all of this, like, what will people think of me even trying to chase promotions within my job? It was this, it was this internal shift of, I don't have to prove myself anymore. And I know that I can hold myself and I know my own internal goodness and radiance so deeply now that it gave me that power of self-trust to then, you know, go do the big scary thing. And it still does all of the time and all of the other steps that I'm taking that require my self-trust. But yeah, I would say those are two of the ways. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, they're, that's great. And I love that practice about feeling for your body's own yes or no. Thank you. Excellent. So do you ever lose yourself? Like, do you ever lose connection with yourself? Yes. At this point, how do you find your way back? <laughs> what does that look like? Yes. You're like, oh, I'm far away. I got to come back now. What, is, what happens? Yeah. I mean, I think just like any other human, right? Self-doubt comes in, pressures come in, new challenges come in, the pandemic and all of these things and dynamics with your partner and responsibilities all of that, you know, we can never escape that. I think until we are, you know, like enlightened masters, it's just part of our experience. And so I think one of the things that I love learning about sexuality that also isn't taught is, and this really comes from the Taoist tradition, is the view of sexuality as seasons. So we have fall where we're shedding, we're healing, or, you know, sort of celebrating or harvesting what it is that we've built. We have winter where things are really dormant and they feel really slow, but, you know, under the surface, uh, you know, everything is getting ready to sprout again in the spring, which is, you know, that flirty turned on sort of energy. And then the summer, which is, you know, the peak, either like a beautiful sexual experience or an orgasm or whatnot. And so I think having this really big holistic view, realistic view of our sexuality is really important because I think so many people think that to fully love yourself, to be fully successful, to be fully in yourself, to be fully, you know, you have to be that all the time. And it's just a lie. It's just not how it works. And so I think having a lot of compassion for the times where I am disconnected from myself has been number one, just heaps and heaps and heaps of self-compassion. And then what I always ask myself to bring myself back is, you know, what's the next doable step? I am on day two of my bleed. So the past week or so has been heavy PMS and then not feeling like doing anything in exhaustion. And I haven't been really connecting to my pleasure, self-pleasure practices. And so this morning I asked myself, what is the the smallest doable way that I can do this? And I dance and I just touched my own skin. Just like I said, I let it be simple. I let it be easy. And I just welcomed myself back with as little shame as possible. Not saying that that wasn't present in the week prior, but you know, it's okay. (laughs) We're human and we're normal. But I think it's just asking yourself each day, what's the smallest doable thing that I can do? Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you have given us today. It's been 
really great getting to talk to you. I so appreciate you sharing with us. Where can we find you? Where do you like to hang out online? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at the Ann Wynn, T-G-A-N-N-N-G-U-Y-E-N. I'm sure you'll link it. Mm -hmm. And I also have an email list and, you know, I offer classes and workshops and courses and all of the beautiful things. So that's where you can find me. All of the beautiful things, including just so generously on your, your Instagram every single day. So run, run and follow Anne. It's so beautiful to watch what you're creating. And I hope that everybody dances on over to join you there. Yeah. And thank you for having me. And I hope that whoever is listening, you have been served by this and that you go give yourself that 5% of pleasure. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Needy Podcast with Mara Glatzel. If you'd like my support in learning how to nourish your needs, dance on over to theneedypodcast.com to sign yourself up for Revive, a gorgeously free five-day course chock full of real self-care and daily tending. If you loved today's episode, pretty please leave us a review on iTunes and join us next week. And as always, permission loves company. So if there's a human in your life that you think can benefit from this conversation, I would be so grateful if you shared it with them. Thank you.